Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to call in, you can also reach out through the KPL app chat. We made it, everybody. We've made it to Election Day. Only a few hours left. Please, please make sure, if you haven't done so yet, go out and vote. I did go out. Um, in, I live in Karen Crow. Went to Karen Crow Middle to vote uh, today. There were lines where they were moving people through very quickly. Was able to get in and out of there uh, pretty, pretty efficiently. So happy about that. Uh, but there were a lot of people, and, and there was a lot of discussion in the lines in Karen Crow when I was there. People looking at the the sample ballots up on the wall, talking to themselves. You know, what am I voting for? What am I voting against? That sort of thing. The important thing is to go out and vote. Make sure you do that. Now, I have a recommendation. And I actually told this to Moon earlier. I'm not sure he's going to take me up on this. The best entertainment that you can get tonight is to turn on MSNBC. I know some of you are like, I don't want to give my ratings to MSNBC. Trust me on this. MSNBC is going to be where you want to go when you were watching the returns coming in across the country, because MSNBC is still in denial. A lot of those folks are still in. They're starting to kind of talk themselves through it. They might be at the acceptance stage yet. I'm not sure, but they're starting to talk themselves through. But for the most part, they are still going to be absolutely angry. They're still holding out hope of like a 50 to 51 seat Senate for the Republicans. But the numbers don't look good. The turnout doesn't look good. But what you're going to see right now, what you're starting to see, you're starting to get stories about it from behind the scenes. You're starting to hear things in the media. The Democratic Party, their allies in the media, their allies in the social media spheres, all those pundits, the ones who are not honest, are starting to realize just how badly They've screwed up. They're starting to realize they were, in fact, focused on all of the wrong things. They spent their time talking about the threat to democracy. They spent their time talking about abortion. They spent their time talking about Trump. They did all of this instead of looking at the data that was right in front of them. This was... This was a failure to do basic politics. Whenever you are running for office, you run and your message is something that your audience, that your voters can relate to. And Joe Biden, the Biden administration, and the Democratic Party ignored the stuff that was important to the voters. And we know what's been important to the voters because the voters have been saying so in all of the polling out there. There has not been a single credible poll at any point that said voters are more worried about the threat to democracy than they are about inflation. There is no poll that has said voters are more concerned about abortion than inflation or jobs or crime 
or the economy in general. In most of the polls, except for a little blip over the summer, in most of the polls, guns were more important on people's minds than abortion. And guns aren't registering very highly. The Democratic Party has focused on all the wrong issues, and some of them are starting to realize it. After 2020, there was a lot of concern among voters about the state of the economy. After that election, we had seen the economy shut down. We had seen states shut down, schools shut down, cities, businesses. The economy was stagnant. There was a steep drop in economic output. output. There was a steep loss in jobs. Everything was going to hell in a Dodge Viper. And Biden came in on the promise to fix COVID, the economy, to bring us to a return of normalcy, all of these wonderful, wonderful things. But the Democrats pushed ahead with an economic stimulus uh, package that kick-started the inflation problem. They threw trillions into the economy. The Biden administration came in with a vendetta against oil and gas companies, shut down land leases. They pushed to keep schools closed. They pushed to keep cities locked down. They worked with teachers unions to keep schools closed. They worked with teachers unions to declare that parents who were questioning the trans student movement and the lockdown movement to get those parents who were showing up to school board meetings, get them labeled as possible domestic terrorists. The Democrats moved further and further to the left, driven by their most progressive voices. And the media helped them. The Department of Justice got involved. The Democratic Party, anything they touched, it got worse. Inflation got hot, the economy got cold. Discontent grew, crime spiked. Historically, And I have told you all this since this show started. Historically, the midterms are bad for the party in power. Only once in like the last 20 years has it not been. But typically, the midterms are bad for the party in power. When the party in power also loses in Virginia, which happens the year after a presidential election, that's also a bad sign. The Democrats lost statewide in Virginia. That was a big red flag. And I told y'all that at the time. I remember being on here in this studio across the way from Stephen Hanwork. And he and I were here for a wing in it Wednesday, and we were talking about it. And it was leading up to the Virginia election. And I remember saying, it looks bad. And we discussed the effect that Trump, the January 6th, all that had. And he and I had a conversation. And he and I disagreed on it. And I said, the voters are not going to care about that as much as they care about the education issue. He and I disagreed. Then Glenn Youngkin won the governorship. And then, come to find out, The economy grew worse. Gas prices spiked. There were shortages, supply chain issues. The economy continued to grow worse. 
inflation became super hot. The immigration problem grew infinitely worse. And the Democrats talked about Donald Trump in January 6th. And then over the summer, they started talking about abortion because of the Dobbs decision. And the whole time, every American family is sitting around their table, looking at the bills, looking at prices, looking at the problems going on in and around them. Crime spiking, money money becoming harder to hold on to. And they listen to the Democrats talk about all these other things, talk about climate change, talk about abortion, talk about January 6th. And they're like, who cares? How are you going to solve our problems? And the Democrats said, you don't have problems. They denied that there were any problems out there. Inflation is transitory. You really just need to buy cans of Chef Boyardee. I'm not kidding you. Cans of Chef Boyardee. Go out and buy an electric vehicle. That'll be fine. They were out of touch and frankly out of mind. And here we are today in swing counties in Florida and Virginia are showing Republican turnout is way, way higher than Democratic turnout. And there's not enough time left in the day for them to fix it. All of that energy used to go and try to pick up the base and get the base ready to, ready and raring to get out there and vote and, and try to mitigate the damage, it didn't work because the base is feeling the same economic problems that the Republican base is. And the, the problem is the Democratic base, their party hasn't addressed any of it. All right, 232-1542, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, more of that, plus your calls if you want to chime in. We'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can also send a message to the KPL app chat. If you got the app, just hit that lovely little app icon up in the top corner and select general message. You can send a message right to the show. I don't mind. I will answer them as they come in, as I spot them. Okay. Now, here's where we are today. The Republicans are in pretty good shape. Like I said, I'm going to get into some of the numbers a little bit later. But turnout is really looking up uh, for Republicans. I think even more up, even upper, no, even even further up, even more up than uh, people were expecting. And the fact of the matter is, as much as people don't want to admit it on the right, some of the Republican candidates were very weak. They were. Some of the Republican candidates were weak. But it's a testament to just how bad the Democrats have been this election cycle that some of those weak candidates are now slated to win. Mehmet Oz is now projected to win by 538. That hasn't happened this cycle. Real Clear Politics has been saying it, but 538, which is uh, a little more of the left, they're finally saying, look, today, looking at the numbers, it looks like Oz is going to win it. And that's huge. And that's even with a county in Pennsylvania whose voting booths have run out of paper. By the way, 
kudos to Secretary of State Kyle Ardwin in Louisiana. We have like the, the sixth most secure elections in the state. We have a very competent Secretary of State. In Arizona and Maricopa, Maricopa County, they have all these problems. Uh, the like 20% of the tabulators are down. Okay, and, and people are going to claim, oh, it's being stolen, this, that. No, this is this is something that's a very easy fix. There's like three ways to vote just in case something goes wrong in a precinct. There's three ways for the vote to get recorded. They're still recording votes in Maricopa County. But it is a Republican-controlled county. However, the Secretary of State is Katie Hobbs, the person running for governor. Katie Hobbs had one job. Make sure the elections run smooth. In Pennsylvania, the Secretary of State there had one job. Make sure there's paper for the for the votes to be printed out on. Anyway, I'm sorry. That's a diversion. The Democrats are so incredibly weak that even some of the weakest candidates the Republicans can put on the ballot are currently poised to win. You know, when I left the show yesterday, I was saying, you know what, I think the most likely outcome is 52. That but that 53 is is pretty likely. Like it, it could very well happen. And 54 is long shot possible, but long shot. Today, I'd move that up a bit. Today, I'm, I'm very comfortable saying I think that, that 53 is very likely, is, dare I say, 53 seats is the most likely outcome. Dare I say it? I'm not, not quite there yet. There's some things I'm still kind of questioning. But 53 seats is extremely achievable, and 54 is not outside the realm of possibility. It depends on how New Hampshire turns out. The, the polling average right now, all factors considered, extremely tight, too tight to be able to tell. Not only that, the Republicans are poised to flip something like four governor's mansions. I'm not kidding you on that. New York is, it's not on real clear politics map. New York isn't. But look at what is. Look at what real clear politics is projecting to be a flip. Wisconsin, Nevada, Michigan, and Kansas. Tudor Dixon could very well win, and I think will win in Michigan because Gretchen Whitmer has been so awful. Imagine if Michigan flips. Imagine if Lee Zeldin pulls it off in New York. Like I told Moon this morning on his third hour. If that's the case, if those kind of, if New Hampshire flips, if Michigan flips, if New York flips, those three flips happen, you're not just looking at a wave. You're not just looking at a tsunami. You're looking at the type of day that was only written about in the Bible. And it's usually a very bad day for somebody. Like, we're talking Book of Revelation type stuff. If they flip Michigan and New Hampshire and New York. Hell, flipping one of those things, the New Hampshire Senate or one of those two governor's seats, is a big deal. But the Democrats have been absolutely awful in, in not even in staying on message, having a message to begin with that connected with voters. The Democrats have failed at basic politics. It's extraordinary. The Democrats, all they needed to do was connect with and say, hey, we're doing this, we're doing this, it needs time to work. They could mitigate the damage. But they couldn't do that. 
they cheered on an Inflation Reduction Act, and what happened afterwards? Inflation got worse. And they touted all of the environmental things that the Inflation Reduction Act did. Never once talked about inflation. And when inflation got worse and everybody said, uh, what, what gives? They're like, oh, but think about, think about all the savings on electric cars. Because to the Democratic Party, the best way to stop inflation is for you to buy an expensive electric car now and then get some sort of tax rebate the beginning of the next year. And nobody's got the money to buy the initial car. The Democrats have utterly failed. All right, let's go ahead and take our bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, we've still got a lot to go through. And I want to go through some of these numbers so you guys can understand. Plus, let's talk about, let's get away from the midterms, talk about Billy Nungesser and his reaction to the news from yesterday. All that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to call in, be part of the conversation. Uh, I want to now just kind of go over some of the numbers with y'all. Look at what we're seeing uh, in Louisiana, we're, we are seeing a lot of turnout, uh, but Louisiana is not a swing state. We kind of ex- we, we kind of know how things are going to go in Louisiana. But looking uh, around the country right now, there's a there's a guy named uh, Dave Wasserman. Dave Wasserman is with uh, he's with the Cook Political Report, and he does a lot of deep dives into these numbers and things like that. And I want to, I, I want to kind of go over what he's saying and something that he tweeted out earlier today, which is kind of what I alluded to earlier about uh, about Florida and Virginia. This is three hours ago, so this is around midday, and this is what we're seeing now. Some states like Virginia and Florida actually they keep track of the number of voters that are coming in. So you can kind of see throughout the day what turnout looks like. Officially, there's actual data to show it. It's pretty apparent from precinct-level data in Virginia and county-level data in Florida that Democrats have a turnout problem today, one that's unlikely to be solved in the next six hours. Noon turnout reports in Virginia Beach, a majority of Representative Elaine Luria's Democratic uh, toss-up in Virginia's 2nd District, show most heavily GOP precincts up 55 to 60% of the votes cast in 2021 versus 40 to 45% in most non-white precincts. Total ballots cast are currently skewing more Republican than in 2020 in many Florida counties, especially in Miami-Dade. And Miami-Dade is the big one. Miami-Dade has a Republican mayor, I believe, but traditionally votes very Democratic. Also a big Hispanic voter turnout there. And what we saw in 2020 is that Miami-Dade, that area started trending a lot more toward Donald Trump. And now they're up again even more for Republicans here in 2022. That is a very bad sign for the Democratic Party. In recent years, Wasserman goes on to say, this is on Twitter, Republican voters have generally enjoyed their largest turnout advantage in the first two to three hours of Election Day voting, so it's possible these gaps will narrow, and these are just two states. But these are just large differentials for Democrats to overcome in the next few hours. This is pretty much what we're looking at across the country right now, just kind of 
what we're seeing from various areas around the country. Now, currently, Florida is not actually considered a swing state. I mean, technically, historically, it has been, but it is. it looks like Ron DeSantis wins by double digits. Maybe as much as 12 points tonight over Charlie Crist. Marco Rubio, big win over Val Demings. The Democrats actually pulled money out of the governors and Senate races in Florida, moved them elsewhere. Uh, in Arizona, there has been some last-minute spending for Blake Masters. He has been pretty much neck and neck for the last couple of weeks with Mark Kelly. Mark Kelly looks very vulnerable right now, and Real Clear Politics is projecting a flip there. I think that flips not solely because of Blake Masters and the spending on him, but because Kerry Lake has been so, so dominant in the polling, has just absolutely crushed Katie Hobbs in the public affairs game. I mean, just... Uh, not public affairs, just the 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 PR campaign here. Uh, Carrie Lake has been just dominant in messaging. Katie Hobbs has refused to debate, has not v- done a whole lot on the campaign trail, and uh, and frankly, Katie Hobbs as the Secretary of State, her her vote her her job is not being done here on election day. It looks like, but based on the strength of Carrie Lake. Uh, remember, federal races are above the statewide races on ballots, so Blake Masters is up first. Carrie Lake, being a Republican, means that people will will probably vote R uh, at least through that one just to make sure that their preferred candidate wins. So that benefits uh, Blake Masters in that race. In Georgia, most people are projecting a December runoff. I'm not so sure. I think Herschel Walker can actually win outright tonight. Now, there's been no poll that shows him above 50%, so there is still that question. But a late break here today, especially with high turnout that we're seeing across the country, can move the needle beyond that 50% plus one needed to avoid a runoff for Herschel Walker in Georgia. Brian Kemp in Georgia was pretty much always set to win. A lot of people have thought that this would be a close race because they remember 2018. The problem is... In 2018, Stacey Abrams didn't barely lose. Stacey Abrams barely lost out on a runoff with Brian Kemp. Most people forget that. Brian Kemp won enough to avoid a runoff in Georgia. It was never really that close. So now Stacey Abrams is running. I mean, uh, one of the things that a lot of people have talked about, and I don't think a lot of people understand just like how, how image and how perception works. In certain places. This past Saturday, a friend of mine was telling me Georgia play. I, I know Georgia played Tennessee. Georgia played Tennessee. The number uh, number one and number three teams played each other. Tennessee was number one, played in Georgia. Every politician in Georgia wears red and black on Saturdays during election season. You just do that. They are the dominant football school this time of year. Stacey Abrams appeared on MSNBC wearing Tennessee orange. Not supporting Tennessee, just wearing orange because she had no clue. And people noticed that. People were talking about that. Stacey Abrams hasn't really taken the campaign very seriously. And that is something that people notice. So the governor's race has never really been all that close. People have tried to think it's close. But Brian Kemp's been been pretty, uh, pretty solidly ahead in that one. Nevada, Adam Laxalt, looks like he's going to have a big win. Sheriff Joe Lombardo, 
looks like he's going to win. And that will be a Republican sweep in Nevada, which is also unheard of. Oregon looks like a Republican governor there. Looks like that could very well happen. If you look at uh, real clear politics, like I was telling you about earlier, uh, it, it very much looks like the Democrats are going to lose some seats. Now, real clear politics thinks Oregon will stay Democrat. I think it's very possible that it flips, but they have Wisconsin flipping. They have Michigan flipping. They have Kansas flipping and they have Nevada flipping. Michigan is, I think, the most interesting one. Gretchen Whitmer was somebody who was considered a possible running mate for Joe Biden. But her popularity in her own state has fallen a lot. And one of the things, this is how you can tell that some issues really aren't sticking. The whole threat to democracy thing isn't sticking because you don't hear people talking about the alleged plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. Remember, there's a big controversy around that because despite the fact that they got convictions in, in Michigan, it came out that the FBI, the Justice Department, was kind of the group that organized it and they just got these guys in, then arrested those guys for trying to uh, kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. It seemed very shady. And there hasn't been a whole lot of reporting on it since that kidnapping plot, was since, since the, the conviction. There's been really no talk about it on the national stage while Gretchen Whitmer is in this close re-election bid. Most of the media has forgotten about Michigan and all of a sudden Tudor Dixon, her opponent, is now creeping up and looks like she may take this away from Whitmer. Whitmer grew very unpopular because of the crime situation, but in particular, the locking down of schools. She has had to go out on the record and lie about how long schools were shut down to try to save face because she knows it's a problem. The school lockdowns in particular are an issue that I think a lot of Democrats really underestimated. They really did not see that this was going to have as big an impact as it did. And the thing about it is that everybody who was paying attention could tell you that this was going to be an issue. Parents were upset. And there was no scientific data that backed up the closure of those schools. But here they are, Gretchen Whitmer, closing down as much as she could, wielding as much power as she could to do so, and it upset a lot of her state. So as a result, that could flip. Wisconsin could flip. It's, uh, the Senate seat is already going to stay with Ron Johnson. It doesn't look like it's as close as people have wanted to think. Same with Ohio. But Ohio is going to stay red as far as their governor's race goes. And it looks like Wisconsin is going to flip from a blue to a red in terms of governor's mansion. And then there's New York. New York should not be as close as it is. To anybody who thinks New York is as close as it should should uh, be as close as it is, you forget that the Democrats have had ownership of New York thanks to New York City. But there's a problem now. The polling does not show it. The polling still looks like Kathy Hochul is going to have a very dominant night, but I think it will end up being a lot closer than people realize. And the Democrats did acknowledge they had a problem because they had to throw a lot of money into New York to prop Kathy Hochul up. But she has been very dismissive of the crime issue. The crime issue 
that's partially owned by her because her administration has pushed very easy on crime issues. But she's been dismissive of the crime wave in New York City. There was somebody over the weekend who was shoved into an oncoming shoved in front of an oncoming subway train. And just days after that, just a day or so after that, she said she was she called the belief that there is a crime spike, a conspiracy theory. Her opponent, Lee Zeldin, was almost stabbed by a crazed Democrat who wanted to murder him. There was a drive-by shooting in front of Zeldin's house where a bullet landed not all that far from his daughter's. Thankfully, not in the same room, and thankfully the drive-by shooting didn't involve him, but it happened right there in his neighborhood. And she's been absolutely dismissive of the crime wave and of the crime situation, particularly in New York City. And New York City, as deep blue as it is, has already elected a tougher-on-crime mayor in Eric Adams, and they are not afraid to go for a tough-on-crime governor if it solves a problem inconveniencing the lives of millions of Americans in that city. So look to New York and look and see how close New York ends up being. Lee Zeldin is the real deal, and Lee Zeldin may just pull something off tonight. But if he does, that spells doom for the rest of the country. All right, let's take a break. If you want to call in 232-1542, when we come back, let's talk about Billy Nungesser. Let's talk about the statewide stuff. Take a break from the midterms. We'll be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation and all right, let's let's get into a follow up from yesterday. So yesterday we had the story that broke that the uh, the GOP executive committee voted to endorse Jeff Landry. Now, there's some other stuff going on behind the scenes there, and I think there's more to that particular story, particularly as it comes to who leaked it and why. And what was the point of the initial vote? To my knowledge, I mean, part of the story is, well, they canceled a, a central committee meeting because there was nothing to discuss. But as it is my understanding that usually the fourth quarter meeting is always canceled. So that was nothing new. This just whatever this vote was yesterday or, or sun, you know, over the weekend, Sunday, whatever, that was uh, a last minute deal. But Billy Nungesser has been one of the loudest voices out there. If you listen to the Moongrafon show today, you heard the interview with Billy Nungesser, and man, that was intense. Well, at the same time, Nungesser released, and somebody sent me this, I thought this was pretty incredible itself, through a campaign letterhead, a Team Nungesser 2023 letterhead, sent an email to supporters And a part of that email was the personal contact information for the members of the Republican executive of of the state's executive committee. And that is uh, that's very interesting as well. That would imply 
that he wants his supporters to call the central committee and complain to them. I mean, to the executive committee and complain to them. It's the personal contact information. We're talking, I mean, we're, we're talking personal email addresses, business email addresses, nothing tied to the state party uh, and what appear to be cell phone numbers. Uh, part of, I mean, this is a lengthy statement. I, I won't read the entire statement that was put out, but uh, Nungesser did write in this statement, the notion that a handful of people could go into a back room and emerge with an endorsement of a candidate without ever considering others who were running or considering running is arrogant, ill-conceived, and detrimental to the party. Later says, at the root of this decision is money, and the party chairman and his lieutenants decided to embrace the payday over policy. It will very likely backfire because we have a well-informed electorate whose vote can't be bought. Nungesser is livid over all this. And to an extent, maybe, maybe rightfully so. But at the same time, Nungesser's been talking about for months the fact that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to announce later, I'm going to announce later, but never did and lost the opportunity to announce. Had none guesser announced, this might be a completely different conversation we're having. That vote might not have happened, but there's only one declared Republican in the race. The state party wants to get its act together now. And as a result, they made a decision. Is it the right decision? Who's really to say? I know a lot of conservatives in the state are who are happy about it, but there are some disgruntled voices. All right, let's jump over to the phone lines. Welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Who am I talking to? Hey, we're going. Luke Nixon going to win. If not, it's going to be a runoff. Higgins going will not win. Hogan going to take it all. Thank you. All right. Uh, okay. Well, that is uh, certainly a take. Must be the same call that called in yesterday. Um, there is no data to support either of those. I'm sorry. There's not. There is no data to support the idea that John Kennedy is going to lose to Luke Mixon. Luke Mixon barely registers on the meter. And the best case scenario for anybody challenging Higgins is going into a runoff. I mean, there's just no, there's just no data otherwise. I'm sorry. Uh, but going back to this, this current issue, uh, this is a very tough one. Okay, so today is the mentor. We shouldn't be having this conversation. I would... The biggest question I have, the, the biggest criticism I would have of what the state GOP did is having this meeting, having this vote before the midterm election. Y'all, it's 2022. Assume that everything you say in a back room, if you're part of a party, is going to leak. Somebody leaked this to Jeremy Alford. Nobody voted on this on this executive committee to uh, send a statement or, or send this news to Jeremy Alford. Somebody leaked it. Probably somebody who does not like Landry and does not want the state party to do this. But it happened. And you've got to live with it. It happened before the midterm. Okay. I question that. Because right now, as a party, you should be focused on one thing, getting everybody across the finish line. I understand that all of the incumbents look safe and look safe by a healthy margin. But keep your eyes on the prize. They didn't do that. So now this is leaked out, and now it's kind of disrupting everybody's focus on the midterm. 
the state Republican Party really still needs to get its act together. I think making an endorsement of one candidate, doing it early and focusing all their energy on that one candidate is probably the right way to go. Whether you like Jeff Landry or not, probably the correct way to go. But the timing could have been a lot better and the way it was handled could have been a lot better. But y'all, the important thing to remember is that today is election day. If you have not gone out to vote yet, you need to do it. I'm not one of those people that says this is the most election, this is the most important election of our lifetimes, but you should treat every election as serious. Go out and let your voice be heard. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Sign up for my Substack. Get the daily newsletter, get the daily show notes at joecunninghamshow.substack.com. Shannon is offsides next. I'll be back tomorrow here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Don't forget to tune in to our election night coverage, 7 to 9, me, Bernie, and Brandon, all right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.